Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Block 50 Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Of course, Block 50 Radio is online all day, every day at Block50Radio.com. Do not forget that we are wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell your device to play Block 50 Radio on iTunes, Deezer, Spreaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., Wherever you're listening, we are there. Guys, plenty to get to today. Snoop Dogg and Nico Sparks with their consortium is currently in a bidding war with Ryan Reynolds and a host of others for the Ottawa Senators. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs. James Harden drops 45 and leads the 76ers in a game one upset over the Celtics in Boston. Let's get to it. First thing is first, Snoop Dogg, Nico Sparks, who are part of a consortium, consortium meaning several different potential buyers wrapped up into one, for the Ottawa Senators. Now, obviously, this would make the NHL history in terms of first black owners for any franchise in the NHL if they should win the bidding war. Let's not forget that the Ottawa Senators are currently uh, stated to be valued just north of a billion dollars. And, of course, Ryan Reynolds, who already owns a European soccer team, is in the bidding war as well. For those who don't know, let me go ahead and refresh your memory Snoop Dogg's son currently plays football for UCLA. Well, he committed to the team back in January of this year, which, by the way, he joined Dustin Combs, P. Diddy's son, who currently plays defensive back for the UCLA Bruins. Of course, it's no secret that Snoop Dogg has always been a huge Raiders fan. In fact, his son, a huge Anaheim Ducks fan, and back in 2016, if I remember correctly, Snoop Dogg promised to bring hockey back to Southern California. And this is a quote from Snoop Dogg, considering this amazing what Nico Sparks is trying to do in Ottawa. I'm looking forward to being a part of that ownership team. I want to bring hockey back to our community. End quote. Of course, again, the significance is that they would be the first black owners in NHL franchise history. I think it would be a smart move if I'm being perfectly honest with you. You have to remember that not only does Snoop know sports, but he knows sports on a level of he's got his own little football league that he's been running since 2005. Guys like Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders, et cetera, et cetera, have all participated with Snoop Dogg in that venture. Teaching the youth, bringing people together, Snoop has said that it doesn't matter what color, creed, financial background you come from. Our idea and our mission is to make people better, basically. That's the first and foremost goal. The Little Raiders. That's what Snoop has. Of course, he's been in documentaries about the Raiders, right, that Ice Cube produced. He's been seen at a plethora of games. He was seen with Deion Sanders at Jackson State. While he was there, Snoop loves sports. And if you're going to take the Mark Cuban approach, remember, Cuban, just a sports fan. I'm going to buy the Dallas Mavericks. 
they're up for sale. Let me go ahead and grab them. Mark Cuban has a ring on his finger. So I think it's a great idea, if I'm being honest with you. Now, I'm not saying Ryan Reynolds doesn't know sports. Obviously, he does, because otherwise he wouldn't be able to run a European soccer team. You know, a lot of these guys are really into sports. Matthew McConaughey, huge Longhorns fan, huge soccer fan. Will Ferrell, didn't he graduate from USC? You know, we, we forget that celebrities are people too, man, and they have just as much of a vested interest, if not more, in sports because they come from the same places. Eminem is from Detroit. Snoop Dogg reps Long Beach. And Nico Sparks, being a film producer, uh, the way that everything is done now, right, which the WWE had a huge part of in the way that they promoted all the big events, which has really taken over sports. We've seen it with the UFC. We've seen it with the NFL. The dramatics, the theatrics, and the production, and how they choose to visualize everything in front of us what would be a better combination than Nico Sparks, the whole consortium that he's got combined with Snoop Dogg, the name alone is going to bring a lot of attention to that franchise. And if you're looking to build positively and do it as big as you possibly can, then to me, it's the right move. Now, obviously it's going to be up to a lot of different factors, the sellers, the financial status, you know, is this group of guys going to be able to be a cohesive unit when it comes to running the organization? Who's going to be delegated for what responsibility, et cetera? Are you going to be our producer guy? Are you going to be our positions guy? Who's going to be our scout, et cetera? Who's going to write these checks? Those things are obvious in the sports world. When you have a lot of different owners, sometimes it could spell trouble. Uh, there was a bar that I used to frequent back home, and I think they had eight different owners for that one little bar. And so there were a lot of times where there wasn't exactly good cohesiveness in terms of how we need to run this place, what's going to be on the menu, should we have UFC fight nights on here? Should we buy boxing pay-per-views, et cetera, et cetera? So there's just a lot of little ins and outs like that that get involved. But I think that if you put a group of people together and everybody's got the same ideas in mind, combined with some different ideas and everybody's willing to listen and hear those ideas and get the right players, put the pieces of the puzzle together, it's not a bad thing. And, of course, who wouldn't want to see history be made with having black owners in the NHL, the first time in any NHL franchise? I'd be excited to see it. Now, of course, I would be excited to see it for Ryan Reynolds, and Ryan Reynolds is an easy name, the same as Snoop Dogg is, in terms of it's going to bring immediate, not necessarily credibility, but it is going to bring immediate attention to Ottawa. Again, a guy who's been in film, look at what he's done with the Deadpool franchise. 
it's an interesting dynamic what's going on right now with Ottawa. And really what it's going to amount to is the financial capability. Let's just be really real about it. If the consortium can all pull the money together and their combined interest can bring up that billion-dollar requirement, they're going to be good to go, I think. If they can't pull it together, then obviously next in line would be Ryan Reynolds. Now, those aren't the only names that are bidding on this franchise, but let's be honest, they're the most popular names that are out there. So that's a wait and see on what will happen with that. I am Drew Duncan. We are live on Block 50 Radio. Do not forget that Block 50 Radio is online at block50radio.com. And, of course, wherever you listen to the podcast, simply tell your device to play Block 50 Radio. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is also Block 50 Radio. I am your host, Drew Duncan. NBA playoffs. You know, people are really kind of blowing my mind last night with, I've been waiting for James Harden to go off and, you know, James Harden finally steps up, and you know, I've been telling people he hasn't had to carry this team points-wise in these playoffs. You got Joel Embiid. He's giving you 30-plus a game. He was so good in round one of the playoffs with dishing the rock and just putting himself in position to make good shots. And the ball movement was so exceptional with that basketball team. And the defense was on point. And I said that this was the best that I had ever seen James Harden look in the playoffs. And I meant every bit of that. And last night, he reminded you exactly who the hell he really is. Drops 45, including the dagger at the end of the game. Nail in the coffin really belonged to James Harden even though defensively they were terrific on the next possession. And then, of course, they get the rebound, the foul, and then they ice it with two other free throws. Everybody stepped up for that basketball team. Obviously, Harden is the huge topic of discussion because of what the beer did last night. What was he, 7-14 from the tray? I have said repeatedly that this basketball team is very dangerous. They're very overlooked. This is potentially the best team that Joel Embiid's ever had. And if you were watching that game, there were moments where you could tell Joel's kind of pacing around, and you could just see it. He just really wanted to be in there so bad, and he couldn't be. Now, they're talking about a spring, and the type that he has normally has two to four weeks to heal. And they're talking about him potentially being back on game two. They're giving him a brace and all that. I think after this win, they may sit him for another game because they just stole one in Boston, which is exactly what I said they needed to do if they were going to win this series. That without Joel Embiid, they're going to have to figure out a way to steal a game in Boston. And that's exactly what they did. They didn't give up. That was a rough game of basketball to watch, by the way. That was tough as nails. In fact, both games last night were tough as nails. I have said that the Sixers have been playing great defense. Their ball rotation has been incredible. Now, here's the thing, though. I maintain this from what I did say beforehand, and that is 
without Joel Embiid, I do not believe that they win the series. I don't believe it's a possibility. I really don't. But they've given themselves a little bit more time now, I think. They've given themselves more time because now they can risk, I think, to themselves, ha, ah, I don't really want to. It's never good to risk anything in the NBA playoffs. But if we end up giving a game away without Joel, we go back to Philadelphia with Joel a little better, a little healthier. We can maybe minimize his playing time. We can still step up our defense. We know that Hard can drop 40 on him, and we can go from there. I think that's the mentality that Doc Rivers and them are going to take. You don't want to get greedy here. You don't want to get greedy and bring in Joel and hope that you're going to go up to nothing. Because I'm going to tell you something, Boston is probably going to take that loss very personally. It happened in their backyard. And now the only redemption that you will have is beating Philadelphia. That's it. Jason Tatum was bottled up in the second half of that game. They did a phenomenal job of keeping him in check. And one of the things that really kind of blew my mind was, and this is something that I've talked about with with Philly, and I remember I had mentioned that you can use a 2-3 defense, and I talked about the Knicks doing this. You know, use a 2-3 defense, do some things, switch it up a little bit. It's not just something that happens in college. And the Sixers were using the 2-3 defense a little bit last night, and it was successful for them. I don't know why they didn't stick with it. For whatever reason, they changed, and when they changed, that's when things seemed to get bad for them defensively. Now, later on, they did a really good job, but I I would have stuck with that 2-3 zone if I was Philly. Regardless, things end up working out in their favor. They take a 1-0 lead. It is an upset. Nobody, including myself, thought that they were going to win that first game. Now, I did say that Boston was suspect. I have said that I think that Philly, with a healthy Joel Embiid, is the best team coming out of the Eastern Conference. And I maintain that. If Joel Embiid is healthy, they are the best team coming out of the Eastern Conference. I won't back down from that. If he's not, it's a 50-50 shot at this point. Brown and Tatum are going to have to play very special basketball in order to get over on the 76ers team. You don't want a bad hangover. I think Doc Rivers probably lets him celebrate last night and gets him back to work today. Moving on, Sixers, or pardon me, uh, Phoenix and Denver. Boy, Jokic just 39 points last night, double-double with points and rebounds again. Uh, Jamal Murray did not play good basketball, but it really just did not matter. That was a defensive struggle. Kevin Durant really didn't show up until about mid-fourth quarter, and by then it was pretty much too little too late. Uh, The Nuggets go on a run in the fourth quarter, and they dominate when they needed to the most. Kudos to the Suns because they were down a good majority of that ball game, but, man, they stuck with it. But – CP3, once again, it's always something with CP3. It's a groin injury. It's a hamstring. It's a knee. 
it's COVID, I've got a headache. It's always something. He started out playing fairly well in that game. And then it's just, it's always something with CP3. Now, I know that somebody who listens to the show is going to go, dude, you know, how can you feel sorry for Joel Embiid but not CP3? It's not that I don't feel bad for CP3. It's that I've always said he's a little overrated. I don't think he's an NBA Hall of Famer. He's played for how many different teams in his career? He's been bounced around in what people would call your prime. And in the playoffs, he's either hurt or just not playing well. Especially when the game is on the line. It just seems to happen with him all the time. To me, Joel Embiid is a different story because I can't really recall a lot of games where it was just like Joel was completely non-existent. Where he didn't have at least... 18, 19 rebounds, and at least 20 points. That's why. And he did play hurt in the last series and still made an incredible block shot that helped seal the deal. It's just different in many ways. And as polarizing as Kevin Durant is, and I believe that everybody's entitled to a bad game, that's exactly what he had. Look, that was a physical game to watch last night if you're a fan of either team. But the Suns being down 0-2 and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant basically carrying that team through the first series and basically a half at this point, scoring the ball the way that they have, You know, they've had a couple of games where between the two of them, they've had well over 80 points. You run into a situation where one guy doesn't have a great game and it just puts your whole team at risk. And that's exactly what we saw last night. And then, of course, Jokic, the Joker, he just took over. He makes it look so easy. He does. He just, he makes it look effortless. That's how good Jokic is. I don't think, as much as I love Joel, and I've said that to me, Jokic, Giannis, and Joel are the three best players in the NBA right now. I just don't know where those guys are the MVP. Now, I understand that Embiid has been the scoring leader the last two seasons in the NBA. That certainly in and of itself should put him in the same category as Jokic. But here's the thing. As good as a rebounder that Embiid is, as good as a scorer as Embiid is, he's pretty good with his assist game. He just doesn't have the same skill level overall that Jokic does. There's literally nothing that Jokic can't do. He can score. He can rebound. He can pass the ball from anywhere on the court. He can make any pass you want him to. He's 
just the best player in the NBA, and I just don't know that there's any ifs, ands, or buts about it. And he showed it last night. How physical, how defensive was that game? Jokic still damn near put up 40. A double-double in points and rebounds, damn near 20 rebounds in that game. I, I just I don't think that Phoenix has got enough overall for the Nuggets simply because of all the attention that Jokic draws, and it still doesn't matter. He's going to find somebody else slashing. He's going to find somebody on the perimeter. He's going to find somebody at the top of the key. He's going to put it in himself off of a move. He's going to figure out somehow some way to get it done. It don't necessarily look pretty. I'll tell you that. Like, at all. But it works. You know, let's not forget Dirk Nowitzki had one of the ugliest shots of all time. But it just worked. Would I like him to be a little bit more smooth? Sure. But, hey, if you're winning, who gives a damn? I think Suns probably take game three in Phoenix, but I I just don't think they take the series. They're not the Warriors. These guys have this particular unit has been playing that long together. Obviously, Booker and CP3 have, but we don't know when CP3 is going to be back. Booker has been playing out of his mind between him and Butler. It, it really is a competition as to who the best player in these NBA playoffs has really been to me, Butler or Booker. And, you know, again, the Miami Heat, they're, they're very much in – a very similar situation with their injury. We'll see what happens. Speaking of which, as we continue on with the NBA playoffs, it's a good time of year if you're a basketball fan, just about every single night. There's an NBA playoff game going on. Of course, tonight, the Heat, Knicks, game two. Uh, This one's going to be in New York, Miami. They come in. They still won in New York, even without Butler there at the end. And even then, for a while, he was playing on a hobbled ankle. It's spring again, probably going to be a couple of weeks. We don't know day-to-day what's going to be going on with him. I haven't seen anything official at this point. The way that I look at it is the Knicks really dropped the ball literally in game one. They are a basketball team that relies on their defense and their rebounding, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to help create transition points for them to score the ball offensively. They use that good defense and good defensive rebounding to slow the pace of the game down so that way they can set up their half-court set. And Brunson and company, uh, alongside with Julius Randle, could basically dictate the pace of the game to whoever they're playing. Miami has a little bit better skill set in terms of their ability to run the floor with the guys that they have. The pull-up spot shooters the ability to get fast break points, those types of things belong to the Miami Heat. 
even without Butler. But let's be honest, he's still the focal point of that basketball team. And he's the best player, clearly, in that basketball team. The fact of the matter is, I don't know that they win this game without Jimmy Butler at the bare minimum serving as some sort of distraction. Now, obviously, basketball is a little bit different because once they find out you're on the perimeter and you can't slash and they see you do it a couple of times, they're not going to become leery, leery pardon me, of you. And they are going to go ahead and just say, you know what, my man, I know you can't push off on that ankle. Go ahead and put it up from outside all night long. It ain't going to get you nowhere. So I think Miami has to risk it, at least for this game, to see if maybe they can give Butler a little bit of time at least to to recuperate. Now, if they win game two, they're in a good position. That means they can leave Butler out a little bit longer because with every win, you get a little bit more confidence. And then, of course, what you can do from there is you win the series without Butler, you, you skate by, and you give them all that rest going into the Eastern Conference Finals. As far as the New York Knicks go, look, Thibodeau has got to do something. It should be embarrassing to the Knicks that they didn't win that game with Jimmy Butler hurt. That's all there is to that. There's no way in hell that they should be out-rebounded, out-gunned, and out-manned without Jimmy Butler. Not when you have R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Brunson. Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. No. And, look, I've never been the biggest fan of R.J. Barrett. To me, he's hit and miss. But I'll tell you what, I probably still take him on my team. He is on my team, the Knicks. But still, the point of what I'm telling you is they've got to fix that. And that's all there is to it. And, of course, game one, L.A., Golden State. The game is in Frisco. The miracle happened against a young team that didn't have enough experience to compete with the experience and the togetherness that is the Golden State Warriors. I have been saying for years they play basketball the way it's supposed to be played. The consummate team game of basketball. And there are still people out there who believe that they're not that good. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'll never know why. I, I get in the NBA that your regular season record has a tendency to dictate the way that people view your season, but let's not forget the Houston Rockets in their second championship back in the mid-'90s. The regular season was horrific for them, and they still figured out a way to win the NBA Finals. Everybody wrote them off. They didn't think they were going to go anywhere in the playoffs, and yet there they were. So, this Golden State team, to me, is right around the same category. They're comparable. 
didn't they just win an NBA title last season? Their fourth. They're comparable in that they're coming off of a winning season, an NBA championship season. Now what? Now where do you go from here? Well, you move on to the next potential title. I like Golden State to win tonight. I like them to win the series. Uh, LeBron, just like them, has been there a million times over. The Warriors with Steph Curry lead the series against LeBron 3-1. to one. So I think they get the job done. I think we probably trade off 1-1 one and one in Frisco. I think we probably trade off 1-1 one and one in L.A. And I think once the series is tied at 2, I think after that, Golden State probably wins the next two games. They go up and they get it 4-2, and they move on to the Western Conference Finals. And at this point, it looks like it is going to be the Golden State Warriors probably matching up with the Denver Nuggets. Now, obviously, that can change. I don't think Phoenix is going to win that series. I don't think they come back and do it. Uh, but I do think the Nuggets move on. They go to the Western Conference Finals, and they probably will end up seeing the Golden State Warriors. I just feel like overall Golden State has a much better basketball team. I know that Reeves and a lot of other guys have really kind of showed up and stepped up, you know, especially since all the trades have happened and Russell Westbrook has been out of there and all that. I, I get that. I'm not blind to anything that's going on. I don't necessarily hate LeBron. I'm not Skip Bayless, all right? What I am saying is I just think that there's too much Golden State and not enough L.A., and we saw what happened when they played Sacramento in Frisco the first time when they were down 0-2, and they just – that crowd was just bananas. It does make a difference, and I don't want to hear LeBron tunes that stuff out, and he's been there before, and none of that's going to phase him. <laughs> Golden State's a different place to play, and I'm pretty sure that even LeBron will tell you that. If anything, 20 years in the NBA has taught him is that when you play against Golden State, you're not just playing against the team that's on the court. You're playing against those guys that are up there in the seats, and that's all there is to it. I think it'll be an entertaining series, even though I think it'll be 4-2 Warriors. I think all the games will be pretty close. I'll tell you that right now. I don't think we're going to see many blowouts, if any at all, in that series. And finally, Charles Barkley went after Skip Bayless last night on TNT. Did you see that? Called him stupid. And he called him stupid because Skip Bayless said Jamal Murray was the best basketball player on the Nuggets. Now, look, I'm not above crazy takes. I'm not above anybody, you know, having that one kind of thing that everybody can disagree with. As long as you can kind of back it, I think everybody's entitled to one in all these situations. I think you're always entitled to one or two. Ah, that guy's overrated. I think you're always entitled to one or two. That guy was so underrated and so much better than people gave him credit for. 
Uh, I think you're always entitled to, you know what, there's a player on this team that nobody's looking at that might actually be able to go somewhere else and be the guy. Yeah. Everybody's entitled to that. But to say that Jamal Murray is better than Jokic, I, <laughs> I got to side with Charles Barkley on that one. Come on, man. I just, I think we're all, and we all have been, just a little fed up with Skip. And uh, at some point they got to move on, but boy, the buyout on that contract is real. Five million a year. Didn't he say that he was talking about how Steph Curry should have gone first in the draft and he was sticking up for him, but. He also said Steph Curry's not a top 30 player in the NBA right now, let alone one of the 100 greatest of all time. You just never know what's going to fly out of his mouth, man. It's all about convenience of the moment, I suppose, is what it is. All right, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. We are live on Block 50 Radio, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Is all at Block 50 Radio. Block 50 Radio, live on Block50Radio.com. You can listen all day, every day. If you're a podcaster, simply tell your device to listen to Block 50 Radio on Deezer, Spreaker, iTunes, Google Podcasts, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. And, of course, yours truly, Drew Duncan, is everywhere. Online, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. In the meantime, stay safe and take care of yourselves.